Well, greetings, friends, and welcome to the Gospel Underground Podcast. This is episode 76, the COVID Culture Survival Guide, part three, living that fit life. We are broadcasting live, well, live for us from the Power of Change Worldwide Shedquarters here in Blacksburg, Virginia, home of the Hokies. And we have live guests, well, live for them, literally, in two different parts, very near and dear to me. We have Willie Pyle. Former Virginia Tech Hokie football player, Dallas Cowboy, Kansas City, Toronto Argonauts, brother from a different mother and friend of mine here joining us from somewhere in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. What town are you actually in, Willie? I'm in Grapevine, literally right near DFW Airport. Okay, I know that spot. And uh, Motives Mike, Mike DeMarco, former Rutgers University wrestler, joining us from New Jersey, my Second home state. I'm originally from Virginia, but love Jersey, Jersey for life now. They've joined us here to talk about the fit life. We've been uh, jumping in here on how during the you know pandemic, how do we kind of continue life, create new normals, all these different kinds of things, but more importantly, how do we thrive? And here on the underground, we've had this survival guide, not trying to tell you medical advice. That's not our place. We're not storing canned goods or guns or surviving in the woods or anything like that. It's not that kind of survival guide. Uh, this is about how do we live normal Joes and Josephines. Uh, how do we thrive spiritually? Uh, so we did a thing, hope and life together. How do we thrive intellectually? Kayla Joy, my daughter, 18, joined me last week for an audiobooks extravagance. And today we're talking about the body or working out. One of the things in the Bible says has nothing to do with irreverent or silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So godliness, becoming more like Jesus, is kind of an aim of life spiritually, intellectually, physically. But we know that this verse uses this word that in, in Greek means go to the gym. Well, Not many of us are going to the gym, but we got some garage gym warriors, some workout masters that have joined us today. Guys, thanks so much for being here. Thanks, Rick. Thank you. Happy to be here. Awesome. uh, Mike is wearing a mobbing shirt, so if you see the video of this, uh, that's uh, Anthony Ashnault, Scrap Life Wrestling shirt, Schnault DB Mobbing, national champ from Rutgers, one of my favorite wrestlers, and one of the favorites around our house as well. And I got a little Jersey uh, Rutgers shirt representing today as well. Mike is assistant strength and conditioning coach at Rutgers University. I believe he has wrestling and gymnasts. So these are actual strong people. Um, not that golfers aren't strong, but it's different with gymnasts and stuff. But uh, Mike wrestled for Rutgers from 2007 to 12, serving as team captain. And, and listen to this, guys. He earned the Wilfred Kahn Award for the most inspirational athlete. Mike, tell us, take a minute to tell us how you became so inspirational, a little bit of your story. <laughs> Um, well, going into my career at Rutgers, I was a recruited walk-on. Um, I don't think the coaches ever had any intent of me being a a staple in the lineup, but, um, I was a walk-on. I was, I was a 103 pound wrestler in high school. Uh, for those of you that know in college, the lightest weight is 125 pounds. So I walked on campus probably about a buck 15 and, um, you know, I was redshirting that first year for obvious reasons. I needed to grow. And, you know, at the end of the day, I wound up being a four-year starter um, in a situation where, you know, I was brought on to be a role player and and a good teammate and a good school guy. Uh, And I wound up, you know, just putting my foot to the dirt every day and and just doing whatever I felt I needed to do um, to keep progressing and moving forward. Uh, You know, so during my career at Rutgers, um, I was able to get linked up with Athletes in Action, and that's where I met John Maurer and Tyler Turner, um, and that's where I met you, Reed, at yeah. Jacobs Well. John and, and Tyler are longtime friends. John was a football guy, but great guy relating to athletes, and Tyler was an All-American from Wisconsin who was working with the team at the time as a coach and kind of a chaplain, right? Yeah, yeah. He he uh, he came on, on campus not for wrestling. I mean, he came on with Athletes in Action, and he showed up in our wrestling room first day of practice and was like, I'm here. I'm an All-American, and you know our coaches welcomed them with, with open arms. And coach, honestly, you don't have to was, pay, right? <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know that uh, it, he came in during my my fourth year. So, and during that fourth year, I mean, I had I had I'd been the guy when we were doing all stuff off mat with running or anything like that. Like that was me. That was my wheelhouse. I I, I still say I haven't lost. I didn't lose a run in about four years. <laughs> and then Tyler comes on first day. 
and this guy smokes me. Yeah, and, and he's that was the first oh, time I was like, and he's not even competing anymore. He's like done his yeah. time and he's still going. Yeah, yeah, and he and and he to this day, I guarantee you, he's just as competitive. And you know, it was through physical activity that I was first introduced to athletes in action, and and you know that competitiveness drew me in, and ultimately. You know, um, I gave my life to Christ through AIA and through Tyler with the help of John and all them. And, you know, I'm forever thankful for that. And, you know, since since moving on from Rutgers, I opened up my own facility um, called Motives Movement. Um, we're going into our sixth year in business now. So uh, after being uh, just with that for four years, I went back to Rutgers as the assistant strength and conditioning coach. And in the past two years, I've been juggling both to the best wow. of my ability. So, wow. and uh, now here we are. I can tell you, um, I, I'm a very big fan of amateur wrestling. I follow it as close as anybody. I know the results of almost every match every week, and I've watched the transformation of literally, you see the physique of a wrestling team can change as the training methods change. And man, you're doing a great job because those guys are strong, particularly <laughs> Ashnaud, who was kind of a thin 141-pound All-American who now is like a beastly 70 kilo. I guess you're trying to probably get him down to 65 kilograms for the Olympic trials, but man, what a, what a transformation in strength and conditioning you've done with those guys. Thank you. Any family in Jersey still or? Yeah, the whole family's in Jersey, except <laughs> my mom's side. So um, Bergen County, born and raised, best county in the state. Best Italian right food in the world. <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> The whole family's here, you know, even during these times, they they feel distant, but you know that they're only a short drive away. So it's, it's nice to, to grow up like that. And I can only hope to have kids that experience the same growing up. I did being able to drive a short drive away to see all their cousins, you know. I tell you, our prayers have been with the, our New Jersey family and people in New York City Metro. We know you guys have been hit hard. And I even found out yesterday, my mom, who's in Memphis, Tennessee area, her boss uh, is positive, And they've been very wow. close quarters, continue to work. So it's kind of hitting close to our family. Hoping my mom's older and has asthma, so we're hoping that there's nothing going to hit there. But... Well, man, I'm a big Rutgers fan. I've got multiple allegiance. Obviously, I'm a Tar Heel. I wrestled for Carolina. Became a Christian at the same time. You know, my dad was an ex-Irish Catholic atheist, and so I was a young wrestler exploring the life in the universe and seeing who I was. And so, always a Tar Heel. I might have Tony Roby on the top podcast for Tech's coach here in a couple of weeks. So I love the Hokies, but man, Rutgers is right up, right up there, and one of my trifecta fan teams for sure. Um, the question I was asked once when Virginia Tech moved into the ACC was whether I was going to be a Tar Heel fan in football or the Hokies. And at the time, the Hokies were very good. And I told these gentlemen, I was like, man, I don't know a single person on the UNC football team, but I know all y'all, you're in my house. Who, how are you going to ask me? So um, I don't think, Willie, I don't think you did ACC, though. I think you were oh, Big sir, East the whole time. You were all Big East free safety. Uh, maybe second, were you second team All-American as well, something like that, maybe? Yes. Yep, and drafted and by Kansas City, who now you can claim a little bit of that title probably with some love. But Willie Pyle is uh, a dear friend now. Obviously, he was 18, and I was maybe 23, 24. Coaching wrestling like Tyler wasn't winning the runs, but I was winning a lot of matches in the room. Um, When I met Willie as a freshman, and uh, we became really good friends and uh, love him, his family. Um, So, Willie, introduce yourself a little bit. Um, I'll fill any gaps that I would like to that I know that I could tell on you, but uh, turn it over to you. Absolutely. First off, man, it's, it's it's good to hear Mike and, and, you know, get a little bit more of that Jersey accent coming through, man. This is like a flashback for me and a lot of my family. Uh, obviously, born in the Bronx, uh, grew up in Irvington, so that's Essex County. So you yep. talk about counties, you know, we got some athletes out of there, too. <laughs> and, and, uh, and then I moved to Virginia in middle school and was, uh, you know, I didn't really come into the sport of football until I was a high school freshman. So I didn't play anything organized until I was a freshman in high school. I may have did one year of, like, youth basketball. Scotty Pippen. Growing up up top. Yeah, you know, growing up top, um, everything was about basketball. Like, you didn't need anybody else to, to, to play ball. And so everything I designed my life around was being a basketball player. My dad, uh, who passed away when I was three, he was a big-time basketball player. And so my whole time, I'm thinking, I'm going to be a baller. I get to high school, and they're like, look, man, this football thing, you can go to school for free if you commit to doing a little bit more in this football field. He was like a 6'2 guard, a 6'2 safety. Yeah. He was like, eh, you got better options. It's 12 scholarships in basketball. It's 85 in football. And I love math. Yeah. So I was like, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and stick with this football thing. And so 
I was fortunate to to have a good career in high school, be around some outstanding ball players, and it afforded me an opportunity to play for Virginia Tech. And so Coach Beamer, Coach Foster, they came down uh, or came up to Northern Virginia where I grew up in Alexandria. They, uh, they saw you in the marching band or something. Or something. Yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They got they got to see the kids in the marching band a little bit. Yeah. You gotta be versatile. Yeah, well rounded. Yeah, that's one of the things you gotta you know really doing this COVID nineteen situation. You definitely want to have multiple interests. Like, if your interest only lies within sports, then it is going to be tough. But me, I can throw some music, bust <laughs> out an instrument. I'm teaching a boy the drums now. And so it's, it's, I'm doing all of it. But, yeah, I was in a marching band. And, again, Beamer and Foster came up, um, recruited me, and asked me to come in. I originally was a quarterback. And so the cool thing about it was I was the guy up in Northern Virginia. I was, you know, player of the year. I was, you know, all first team all region, like region player of the year as a quarterback. The problem is, is that was just tiny Northern Virginia. There was another guy down in the Tidewater area that was a whole lot better, and his name was Ronald Curry. And he ended up going to North Carolina where Reed went. That's right. Well, in the same district as Ronald Curry was another guy named Michael Vick. And Mike <laughs> ended up going to Virginia Tech. And so I wore number seven in high school. As you can see, I got the jersey right there to prove it. I wore number seven in high school. He said you seats taken. Yeah, that thing happens quick, right? Yeah. Coach is like, look, uh, Mike's going to wear a seven. He's a quarterback. You're playing defense. And, uh, <laughs> and so it, wor- it worked out because, um, you know, a f- one f- quick funny story about Rutgers is that Rutgers was the, um, was the flashpoint for me as a football player. I played a game up there as a redshirt freshman. So I redshirted my first year. I played. I was a backup. That was the year we went to the national championship. Nick Sorensen. Rutgers, it was early in the season. Yeah. Right? I fractured my C7 hitting one of the fullbacks from Rutgers. I got on the plane. They said, you fractured your neck, Willie. And I'm sitting there like, wait, what? I got a broken neck? So I got to explain this to my family. Like, I got a broken neck. They said, it's not broken where it's not stable, but you do have to sit down for a little bit. So they gave me a neck brace. I rehabbed as best you could, which is basically taking calcium pills and, and uh, making sure the traps and their almost stabilizers were strong. And I sat out pretty much the rest of the year. I played in the JV game, got some garbage time. I had an opportunity to get in the national championship when our starter, Nick Sorensen, went down, and I didn't get in. And you talk about just heartbroken, but the coaches hadn't seen me play because of the injury that happened in Rutgers. Well, I'm sitting on the bench as Florida State is holding up the national championship, and I looked up at the scoreboard and said, I will never be a backup at Virginia Tech again. <laughs> and so that moment in Rutgers led to me putting all of my energy and effort into being a starter and then from that sophomore year all the way through my senior year, I became a, a starter and obviously, you know, led the league in picks and All-American and all that good stuff. And so it was during those times, and if we go back, was that I was introduced to Reed. Yeah. So Keon Carpenter, um, God rest his soul, he was a, a free safety on the team, a DB, Nick Sorensen. He was a backup quarterback, also transitioning to DB. He had Maybe to cover, he had to cover Peter Adams. Warwick in that national championship game that you didn't have to. Coach, I was ready. <laughs> you were ready. I, I don't know, Will. I told this, I told this the story. Heisman Trophy was rolling. I know. He was 37 years old. He had kids. I think he had a grandchild. <laughs> <laughs> they, were, they, were, they were spectacular, man. Yeah. That, that squad, I mean, so many first-round picks, All-Americans. You're right. I definitely would have had my work cut out. But at that time, I really did believe in my skill set, what I could do. That's but right. I had met Reed on campus that freshman year, going into that redshirt freshman year, through Keon and Nick. And they were like, man, we're about to go to this Bible study. Andre Davis another one. And so we go to this Bible study, and I'm like, man, this is pretty cool. Because I grew up in a church. My stepdad was a preacher. My mom sung in the choir. So I'm always in church. And I was like, man, this is a little bit like home. But the thing that was cool is that I met Reed on some chill type, man, let's just go play dominoes. Let's just hang out. Right. There was no, hey, you got to take this Bible. And you got to pray this many times. It wasn't about rules. It was about a relationship. And that's what I took from meeting him. And then from there, it became a discipleship to where you look at him as an older father figure. And then it was like, shoot, it's like a brother more than anything. And we were able to um, forge a relationship uh, over our love of sports, uh, dominoes. Ooh, now he's a barbecue man. You know, we had that love-hate relationship between Duke and Carolina. Yeah, Willie's a Duke basketball guy. guy. You don't have to bring that. This is my podcast. Can you keep Duke off of it? Strike strike that from the record. Other teams in the real blue. Yeah, a lot lot of people didn't realize how many um, really solid men – just came out of that football program. Not everybody realized how good they you guys were and went on to the national title game and all that. 
But the amount of guys that got serious about their faith and now, right, are like you, married, fathers, business guys, doing work, but still in the game. It's just uh, really one of the things I look back on fondly is just where you guys all are today. Man, that's a great point, Reed, because one of the things that I always think of is just the conversations, the talks, right? Um, The fact that no one but one lived a perfect life. And it's like, look, guys, this is it's a relationship. You, You have your ups, you have your downs injuries, you know, stuff off the field, stuff with girlfriends, stuff with, you know, finances, all those things happen. But the more you can dig into God's word, the more you can surround yourself with good people, you're able to overcome those. And then when we became professionals, it was like, I had no problem being in the pro locker room because I knew how to handle myself in the college locker room because I had a a, a solid source of encouragement. And that's really what we all needed. Like, as young men, you're away from your family. You need that solid uh, source of encouragement. And Reed was that. And then I was able to be a a leader on campus and start meeting other guys and be in that role for them. So it just kind of trickles down. And now, again, I have a family, a wife. We've been married for uh, almost 14 years in July. Right? Reed actually uh, was able to to pray at our our wedding. He was a part of it. He had a a strong role at our reception. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I got two younger kids. I got a 12-year-old and a, and a three-year-old about to be four and mm. an athlete. You can see him in the back. You know, running through <laughs> him. And so, uh, so all of those things that, like you said, I learned from Reed and from our relationship has trickled down to me. And hopefully my sons can see the example that my wife and I have yeah. as a loving home and people who are believers and who want their kids to, to do what God's will. And then they'll pass it on to their kids. So hey, what, uh, we're going to talk. We're going to talk about your oldest in a little bit because I've seen multiple. Like I think he plays fifteen sports and excels in all of them. <laughs> but until you get to that level, obviously, uh, every human being uh, is a spiritual and intellectual and a physical creature, right? God made us that right. way. And we all got to take, I'm almost, I'm getting close to 50 years old now. So, uh, my stuff hurts every day I get out of bed in pain and just like, wow, I love wrestling still. And, uh, coaching high school guys still get in there and bang and, uh, you know, high school guys can't touch you still, no matter what, I'll be 70 being those guys, but, um, you got to take care of yourself. And so one of the things we wanted to do for this episode in this time of quarantine, it's real easy, right? To watch 15 Netflix episodes, eat some Ben and Jerry's, uh, some chicken wings without working out. Now you get to my time, you know, you, you work out so you can eat chicken wings. Uh, at least that's my game. Um, but I figured these guys could give us a little help. So I just don't want you out there listening to be intimidated. Um, obviously these guys did athletics at a high level, but all of us need to move every day. In fact, you hurt less when you move more. And so I wanted to start with Mike giving us uh, a little bit of maybe advice. Your gym's closed or you, you can't get out and work out. Or maybe you're, you're just bored and want to start moving around a little bit. I wanted Mike to just share a little bit of some things you can do without any equipment gear, maybe just out in your garage or if you're in the city in your apartment, uh, small space, large space, because, you know, city, urban, suburban, there's different settings where you can roll. Um, but Mike, give us a start today to think about a few things someone can do uh, from novice, maybe, and then move it into more advanced kind of body weight type movements. Yeah, I think I have a lot of different conversations every single day with high level college athletes to my mother-in-law who's just trying to stay in shape you know and ultimately during this time it every conversation comes down to trying to figure out how to help them structure a routine for tomorrow so that they even work out tomorrow yeah because i can provide all the workout programs and insight and suggestions in the world but if i can't help them create a structure for tomorrow they're not even going to have time in their schedule in their mind because we have a ton of time to even go exercise. So number one, I would say before even thinking about what type of modality or, or type of movement you want to do is sit down before you go to bed tonight and figure out a block of time tomorrow, even if it's 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and pick a block of time and, and commit to that in your head. You know that maybe when you wake up tomorrow, everyone's schedule is different and you know you're locked in from 8 to 2 with work. So, you know, obviously don't place it in there. Give yourself about a 30-minute buffer after work, and then that's your block. So first, I would say structure Structure is key right now. Um, in a time where we've been living for X amount of years wishing for more time, and now that we have it, we're frozen in yeah. space, and, we're, and we don't know how to use it. So When everything's be, unstructured, structures become more important, actually, right? Yeah, yeah so I would say 
for me, that that's at the top of the list. And then, you know, once, once we're able to conquer that, then we could start getting into specifics um, relative to your interest or what works for you, or um, maybe you have limitations with prior injury or, or chronic injuries. Um, but one, one, one key thing that I always go back to, regardless of what level you're at or what your purpose is or your why or why you're training is, is just moving your body in multiple planes of motion, right? It's most important for us, especially bogged down in the house. And that means up, down, in, out, down, forward, math people, X, Y, Z plane. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So, so, yeah. So right now, um, if I had to, I would create a list of six planes for you. You need to push, you need to pull something, you need to squat, you need to perform a lunge, a hinge, and a carry. They're very basic human movements that we've been doing forever. And, and you know, you can go anywhere on the spectrum with those in terms of in, in, in challenging the intensity of those movements. But in a very simple sense, pushing, you think of anything that involves pushing your body weight around in a push-up. Um, pulling. It involves anything in a pulling motion. You know, we have some some of our, our athletes that we train have no equipment. So we very we took a dish towel, put it through a gallon jug of water, and have them do single arm rows, um, pulling on a gallon of water. Now, uh, it's not a massive overload, but they're, they're still moving their body through a pulling motion. Um, mm-hmm. For a squat, it's very simple. You're squatting up and down. Everyone yeah. does that multiple times a day, you know. And um, lunging is key. I'm really, really big on lunges and unilateral motion, especially for athletes, because, you know, I, I would argue that most sport is spent on one leg, whether you're running, you're cutting, you're decelerating. So not even just for, for athletes, but for general population people, when you walk down the street, when you step down the stair, when you step up a stair, you're on one leg. It requires stability. It requires strength. It requires core control. It requires balance. There's so many things involved. So, which is great doing, as you get older too, because it helps with balance, exactly. awareness of motion, not falling down. Right? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So I would argue unilateral or lunge is is of higher priority to someone of older age than it would be to just perform a squat for those mm-hmm. reasons, Reed. And it's and it's just continuing to to provide something that challenges your balance to prepare you to yeah. walk downstairs tomorrow or yeah. walk walk up a curb. Something so simple that we take. And by a lunge, what Mike is talking about is just step one foot in front of the other and go down, right? Bend at the knee. You can touch your left knee with your right leg forward, back up, right? And obviously there's different ways you can do the lunges. Yeah, I mean, even if you just think about a life, a a movement you do in life, if you were to walk out this room right now and and drop a bottle of water on the ground – you're probably going to bend down with one knee to pick it up. You're lunging to pick up your bottle of water, you know? So um, just anything, anything that's basically putting us in motion. Um, And if, and some of this stuff may be too challenging. And, and like I said, there's ways to regress and progress. So, you know, if you're someone that's never, hasn't been working out consistently and, and performing the lunge is too difficult, you may need to grab a dining room chair and put it at your side and, and lean your weight onto the chair and, and you got to play with it, see yeah. how low you can go. And then after a few reps, you may even find that you don't even need the chair because now your brain is awake and you fired everything to those muscles from your brain and your brain's like, oh, okay, I need to wake these muscles up. And that's, that's ultimately what I think the goal is for everyone, regardless of the level of sport you play is just move every day, yeah. move in multiple planes um, and, and move consistently. One of the things, Mike, that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll be 48 this year, which is uh, still young, but, uh, you know, you do get older. It's unavoidable to keep young as much as you can. One of the things that I do to put those kind of motions together is I'll go for long walks. And if you, mm-hmm. you some parks I know around the country, around the world are closed still by state, state mm-hmm. uh, fiat. But if your parks are open, there's park benches. And so I'll go for long walks, which just kind of gets me moving. I'll get near park benches, right? And I'll do push-ups leaning on park benches or I'll do lunges leaning on park benches or I'll use it as a reference for my squats, you know, keep my uh, shin straight up and down 90 degrees, tap the butt on a park bench and then walk to the next one. Um, so it gets a little bit of motion as well as some of these push-pull kind of things you can do just with something as simple as a park bench. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's great. And, and <clears throat> another thing that I would throw in there as well is 
every week on Sunday, I'm checking the weather because I, I know exactly what days I'm going outside because you need the sun. You need yeah. the air in your lungs. You need the sun. So um, I would encourage you also to, to figure out as you're planning out your week, okay, I'm, I'm working out on Wednesday outside because that's my best opportunity to get outside yeah. today and, you know, and, and just be in nature. So, you know, and, and just starting with a walk every morning for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, detached from social media, detached from your cell phone, it, it will do wonders for your mind, for your soul, for your for your muscles, for everything. Yeah, it gives you vitamin D. It helps anxiety and depression. You know, if you're in a time of worry, you know, getting your body moving like this outside is just excellent. It's one of the best treatments, actually, along with other things, medication for clinical issues, uh, to, to mm-hmm. deal with kind of the, the, the anxiety we might feel is just to get our bodies moving like that. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, outside, that you know, that's where, thankfully, you know, my kids, they don't play a lot of video games. So they, they go out, they go outside and they run around and they play with the soccer ball and do that, you know? So I, I'm glad I don't have to say, get out of the house, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Well, um, in terms of, uh, you know, if you wanted to add some weight to something like you want to lunge with a little weight or you want to squat with a little weight, but you don't have a home gym. Maybe Willie, you got a home gym. You got a, like a dumbbells. Or I, well, I, I have you have a facility. A facility to <laughs> yeah, the house. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I set up in the garage. Yeah. So I didn't have to keep going back and forth. Yeah. yeah. And I saw Mike's garage. He had some dumbbells. But if if you don't have the gear, how can you add a little weight to to what you're doing? A resistance. Add a little weight. Resistance. Um, for our kids, uh, you know, for our kids. When we do our sessions, I tell them, look, like he said, grab a water bottle. I had kids today use a laundry detergent. You know, uh-huh. those get kind of heavy. And because everybody hoarded, they should have a bunch of them there. <laughs> like, grab, grab some of them 48 counts of toilet paper. Yeah, they got a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, grab, grab those. And so, we, like he said, you, you get creative. And um, it, it might sound like, you know, my kind of guy where he's like, look, I'm going to get MacGyver with these things. I want to work. <laughs> yeah, and so you're going to figure out a way to get the, the necessary things done because our model, and I am working with younger athletes, our model is, is like he said, more movement. We're using pieces of tape on the ground. We're using rope on the ground, a jump rope to do footwork in and out of the different spaces. And so that's how we get that, that heart rate going. Yeah. Uh, we do an imaginary jump rope. So where the kids are getting the movement of a jump rope so that they're not, you know, fumbling with the actual rope, but they're getting the movement behind it. That's right. So we open up all of our workouts with those things. And then when we move from the footwork and the agility portion to the strength um, in, involved in a fast acronym, footwork, agility, speed, strength, and technique. <laughs> Train fast. Strength portion, right? When you get to the strength portion. For those listening on audio, Willie has his business's uh, hoodie on. And uh, it says, say, say it again, F-A-S-S-T. F-A-S-S-T. There you go. Footwork, agility, speed, strength, and technique. So five core areas. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Five core areas of sports performance that we believe in, especially our ball sports, right? They're, they're the five core areas, and my goal is to impact those first four. But to your point, we want to, when we get to that strength portion, we're, we're telling them, look, grab things that are around the house. If you got a, you know, a baby sibling, you know, grab them. <laughs> we're finding some sort of resistance. Yeah, um, I used to do stuff baby. with my son when he's little. I would do over, I would do rows with him. I'd push, you know, <laughs> bench him, you know. You grabbing him by the back of the shirt. That's you right. Two hands, <laughs> you know, jerk your squats. You got them in the front. You're yeah. squatting down, yeah. squats, so. Yeah, all the moms out there is like, that's just my life. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Mom's like, I've been doing that for years. Yeah, I've been I'm curling like, babies. Yeah. Yeah. And so so those are ways. And I'm sure Mike had some other ones, but I encourage a lot of my parents if they had access to get bands, um, resistance bands. So a bunch of them that went out and got them. I only had so many at the gym. And so I didn't just want to give them out to everybody. Uh, so I made sure that I had mine and my boys had them and then asked my parents to go and uh, get them, you know, off of uh, many different sites they can get resistance bands, but we have been using that too. So and those, those are kind of different colored, different colored, yeah, for uh, different intensities. Yes, rubbery, different stretchy. Intensities you put it on your foot. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Yep. Excellent. Excellent. Well, um, there probably are some of you out here that also have maybe some kids who um, are, you know, getting older, maybe taking their athletics seriously. Uh, we did a whole episode, guys, a year or so ago on youth sports and some of the ridiculousness of it that happens. Uh, but there's a time when you naturally move your children right to kind of the next level. 
and they naturally want to get good then. And you, they move up in a, you know, whether it's a wrestling tournament or a different league in soccer or football, obviously they want to compete. And so you want to help them move their own training in a uh, upward direction, but without becoming a crazy person. Uh, Will, you could start us on that. Mike, I'd love to hear your perspective on that. Mike, do you guys have kids or, or you, you yeah, I, I'll I'll get into that a, a little bit okay. more when I when I go. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, so no, that, those are great points, Reed. And I tell you what, um, first off, we are in Texas, okay? So <laughs> where they worship football, everything. <laughs> yes, and I'm telling you right now, if they decide to mess with football, you're gonna see the quickest vaccination and the quickest testing you have ever seen in your life. <laughs> to see the nation <laughs> of Texas reoccur oh in God, history. I'm telling you, they, they were about to see it a couple years ago anyway, right? Yeah. yeah. So, this, this football is no joke. And so for us, my personal experience, not only as a performance coach, but also as a dad of a 12-year-old, is that there is a balance between pushing them and allowing them to see their own path and then um, letting them come into the love of that sport at their own age and stage. So when I meet parents, right, I, I train athletes. I have a, uh, some high-level soccer athletes that are, I'm talking about number one in the country type. And it's like, when does she really decide to love the sport? Well, she did it at a young age, and she's DA, she's on Olympic women's team and all this other stuff. And then you have others, maybe like myself, who didn't come into the sport and ended up playing until late. Yeah. And so we talk to parents from a, from a fast standpoint. I say your kid is going to – everybody has their own age and stage of development, right? And we have to be cognizant as coaches, as parents, uh, as to when that is. Yeah. And there will be a time. Maybe it might be peer pressure. It might be their friends like, look, my friend got a six-pack. And I don't. Or he's sprinting and I'm not. Or he's benching. And then that's when you start getting into the pubescent talk. Yeah. You start getting into everybody. Good. So there's different things. And my kid is in that transitional stage where he's putting on some height. You know, the knees are starting to hurt. You he's going like to sound like a man in a year. You know, <laughs> voice you know, is going to change. Yeah. So you have that. And so as a, as a sports parent, which my wife and myself are, we love um, to encourage. We love to cheer them. We do push. We, you know, I, I always say, look, if this is something you want to do, I always preface it with that. If this is something you want to do, well, then you can't just talk about it. Right. Right. You have to do it. I'm not, I don't come from a family of talkers. We come from a family of doers. <laughs> that's not. Right. Yeah. And it, it's not. You, you I know your like, mom. That's, that's how we, that's how we <laughs> operate. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and it's like people, you can say what you want to be. But in the Bible, it says you're going to be known by your fruit, man. Yeah. So if you're telling me that you want to be this type of ball player, well, then this is the steps and the work that you have to do to get there. Right. And so that's the approach that we take. And I encourage all of my parents because I do have a couple that are a little bit over the top. Yeah. You know, my kid's going to be the next Peyton Manning. My kid's going to be the next, you know, uh, Christian McCaffrey, blah, blah, blah. And their and kid like, might hey, just listen. hate the sport in five years because of their and dad. Like, oh, yeah. my goodness. Reed, three weeks ago, I was at a, a workout with some scouts, they were trying to just put some guys on video right as soon as the COVID uh, shutdown hit. They had a workout that was supposed to be playing, and we were on the field, and it was a dad who berated a kid that's playing soccer. Couldn't have been no more than eight mm. or an hour and a half straight. Mm. And, I mean, a lot of stuff happened out there, but that was the one thing everybody remembered was how he talked to his child. And I yeah. said, in two years, that kid will not want to play that sport right. ever again because of their, their relationship. And so you have to be cognizant of how you do it. And again, I'm stri- I'm still working on it. I'm not perfect. Finding that fine balance between if this is what you say you want to do, but then let's work, but then also letting them kind of grow into a love of, of maybe a position. Or, so what uh, I hear, so what I hear from you, Willie, is that there is what we might call an affectional development, their actual love and desire of it, because the kid has to tell you, hey, yeah, I really love this. And then there's a social development. There's some peer things. Like if you're playing with guys and they're developing, they might want to as well. It can move kids forward. And then there's a, even a physiological development because, you know, Jabo is about to be 12. He'll be 14. He's going to be a different man in two years. And then you have to steward that. Uh, to, to, you guys talk a little bit about like what not to do with eight-year-olds that you might do with a 14-year-old. Yeah, I think um... – for, for us, we, we have kids at our facility, and that's what we started with before adults. I mean, I got into it from, from Rutgers. I was an exercise science major, and I left wanting to, to go the performance route, and I did. And so much of our program and our philosophy is at that age is based around some of the foundational movement patterns that we just discussed with general population. And um, to your point about, about kids being a new man, I, I argue that that's every day, especially yeah. during that pubescent age. Yeah. When you have a 12 to 15 year old on 
uh, today's April, whatever day it is in April, tomorrow, he's different human being. And yeah. in a week from now, he's a different human being. And, and that's where us as performance coaches play such a key role during those developmental stages because it's mm-hmm. our job to make sure that we're continuously exposing them to the things that are going to challenge their new body every day to adapt and know how to move that new body. Because if I train you today and get you to be really good at moving your body today, and you go to sleep and you wake up tomorrow um, a 16th of an inch longer on your right leg, guess what? You need to learn how to move that new length leg. I need to teach you and and re-expose you to challenging patterns so that when you step on the field, you go to cut, you're not going to blow your ACL out because – I've, I've done my job. I've, I've exposed you to, to these things. I got the receipts for paying for the grocery bill for my 13-year-old son, man. I'll tell you what, he's, uh, he's feeding right. it every day, too. I can see that. <laughs> hey, Mike, quick question. Um, yeah. Because that's a good you – you, you brought up a good point about that foundation of getting it. The parents, and I'm sure – I know you. that's what I'm asking, because for us, we have some parents who are like, my kid needs to go every day. And I'm like, mm. okay, that is – we're going to be counterproductive in the long run if you're going that frequency. Can you speak to, like, that aspect of it? I don't mean to take the question, Reed, but that's, that's a good point. That's a great question. Um, to, to think about the frequency because I know that I end up having to tell parents to kind of reel it in because it, it isn't a five-day-a-week thing at that age. Like, even my private sessions, they're only 30 minutes long because I'm thinking about attention span. Like, mm-hmm. I don't start one-hour-long private sessions until that kid is shown – uh, you know, that that middle school transition into high school is when we start getting to that hour long of work where they can handle that load. But up until then, I keep it at 30 minutes. We hit it. We're getting in there. But uh, can you speak on that part too? Yeah, so our with our program, um, we, we have three stages. So we start with what we call uh, like our youth program. So that, mm-hmm. that program actually starts at six years old, and we carry that through nine. Now, that program is just, as you said, it's a very short session. We only offer it twice a week. And after that program, they'll progress into what we call a developmental stage, which is those really prime ages. Uh, And at that point in time, we increase the frequency to three times a week. Um, Most often, you'll get two to three days a week. And then the next stage is high school, college, which is our performance program. Now, the idea behind that in the earlier stages is there's a couple of things that come into play. There's uh, social development, as we already talked about. When they're super young, they're very underdeveloped socially. Their attention span is off the wall. And, <laughs> yeah. and their bodies and, are bouncing off the wall. <laughs> yeah, their bodies. And um, there's a very good chance that an eight and nine year old, in addition to coming to the facility twice a week, is probably playing uh, rec soccer, fall ball, uh, flag football. So not only are they training twice a week with me, but they're, they're probably have six other practices a week. They have four Mm -hmm. other games a week. And, and for me at Rutgers with our guys, we look at everything as units, right? So every practice interaction and every train or every competition is a unit. You can only have so many units in a week for it to even be effective for development. You can't recover. You can't, you get injured. Yeah. Yeah. I don't care how young you are. You, you need to be able to, to, to track or not, not necessarily track that, but control that you, it's not just like, Oh yeah, he's eight years old. I could, I could, I could do anything with him and he'll recover tomorrow. (laughs) That's not true. Yeah. No, that's, that's how you, that's a recipe for burnout. Yeah, exactly. And as fathers and as fathers and guys who care about people holistically, you know, as Christian men, we, we also have to look at our own kids and then you, and you guys as professionals uh, have to look at these people as whole, whole people. And uh, there's so much where it can get caught up into you're really worshiping sports and giving it another name and not really giving attention to how is this kid's emotional life, his social life, his spiritual mm. life. And and uh, sometimes we've seen it, too. Um, you can only train so much. Um, and then even it's not coming from the affections of the kid, man, you're you're then living vicariously through them. And you're doing something, you're doing something jacked up to your own relationship as a parent with your kid because you're trying to like live the dream or something because you didn't get to do it, and your kid may end up hating the sport. It might not like you too much either. Yeah, 
Hey, the hardest thing I ever did, Mike, in, in athletics was start the North Brunswick town, uh, Township Matt Raider Wrestling Club because they didn't, <laughs> they didn't have youth wrestling for 12 years, and I had 5-year-olds and 12-year-olds. I didn't know what to do, man. These 6-year-olds, I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> I was calling Goody. I was got the guy from Nazareth, uh, Dave. I forget his name, the high, high school coach over at Nazareth, PA. I was like, hey, how do, how do I coach 6-year-olds? Last time I coached, I was coaching Virginia Tech. <laughs> right. That's oh. a different sport. It's a whole lot of dodgeball. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. Well, guys, okay. I, I appreciate what you do because I, we've all experienced how much sports is a part of growing as men uh, and young women. Uh, certainly, my wife and my uh, my girls we're we're in it every day, and um, I appreciate you know coaches and folks that care about the success of others because it's so much more. We have this phrase in athletes in action called victory beyond competition. Is that what I learned? I mean, I I became a Christian through sports. If I wasn't on on a UNC scholarship, going down there. I, you know, I didn't grow up that way. Um, I wouldn't encountered some of the things uh, that I did. So um, I'm going to give you guys a last little uh, section here just to talk about how your, your own faith or your own view of life affects your uh, work as a strength and condition uh, professional. It's deep. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting that you bring that up because the past, I'd say, few, few months have been rough for me personally. Um, just trying to uh, keep faith at the center of day-to-day life and work. And we just had a Bible study with our coaching staff yesterday with Tyler Stoll. Mm-hmm. And um, I shared a little bit about that as well. And, um, you know, he, he was able to, to bring to light the fact that, you know, there's three major things that have been highlighted for him most recently. And, you know, it starts with solitude and filling up your own cup, you know, and then, you also need to have um, community, right? You need to share that with others around you. And then, you know, ultimately it's, you bring that faith to life and what you fill up to life by discipling, sharing it. Yeah. Um, and, and that really hit home for me yesterday. And, and, and that's something that when I first uh, started with athletes in action and decided to, that I wanted to be a coach, like that was my ultimate goal. Mm. I, I was on fire. It was so new yeah. for me. Yeah. And I just wanted to share it with everyone. And, and my goal with like I, even creating the name for the, for the gym at the time motives, our tagline is live with a purpose. I knew what my purpose was at that time. And my goal, cause I was so on fire is I wanted to use my, my arena of the gym as an outlet to help people find their purpose, faith or not. It didn't matter. I wanted you to find your purpose. Um, so it really made me take a step back and, and reflect on like, that's why I initially got in it. And, I'm not saying I left it behind, but most recently it hasn't been, I can honestly say it probably hasn't been a priority. And, and um, I guess to go back to the question, it's, that's, that's how, that's why I wake up every day and do this. Like I want to, I want to one, fill myself up to be able to even share it and disciple other people, not even in a faith-based sense, you know, just sharing my expertise, my experience, my anything. Um, And so, yeah, that's, that's and the way you, the way you love and approach people because you're a Christian is different as the, as you go about your training. Mike, I want to encourage you that all of us, I've been in full time, some, some sort of Christian ministry, whether a campus staff or church planter or coaching church planters. Now I run my own nonprofit, even in ministry, I still struggle with keeping the main thing, the main thing, right? Because it's easy to float. And I think that's why, uh, why we're called to remember remember who we are, remember what Jesus did for us, and then bring his life forward in our own, whatever we do, whether that's, you know, digging ditches or selling stocks or training fast uh, or doing the Gospel Underground podcast like I'm doing today under this uh, skylight heat lamp I'm under. <laughs> Will, t- t- tell us a little bit about how you're thinking for fast. You know, that's, uh, I mean, Mike, you make such great points, boss. It, for the most part, it's how do we take our life and our walk and how we move. And I'm not necessarily, again, I don't do a whole lot of talking. Like when you get me talking, I talk. I host <laughs> events, I'm, you know, I'm on TV. I do a whole bunch of stuff. I can talk. But when it comes to this part in terms of how I run fast, you know, being able to demonstrate drills, I don't just tell the kids what to do. I show them. And it's the same thing when it comes to how we move as Christians, how we move as men, as leaders in our homes and our communities. It's more of a showing thing. Right. It's man, something is different about coach. I can tell you're a believer. Like I had parents tell me this. 
because of how I talk to the kid, how I can still be stern, but at the same time love on them so that they feel a part of the, the culture that we're establishing, both in the, in the, in the, in the performance center, both on the, on the playing fields. If we're just out, you know, I did the dad's club and it was a faith-based um, um, program that we had at our elementary school. And literally once every two months, I'm in there and I'm talking and I'm sharing. It was based on Tony Dungy's book series. Yeah. Uh, and, and what we did was we really went to a whole different level of engaging dads with their kids. Cause we have a very, um, you know, business heavy area where we live yeah. and the dads are always traveling Working. and it's like Sunday through Thursday, dads are out of the picture. So it's really just mom and the kids. And then on Friday, dad comes back, goes to the game Saturday, they're coaching and being around. And then Sunday they're back on a plane traveling to go do whatever job they have. That is like the blueprint for our area mm-hmm. for the most part. And so coach Willie, I step <laughs> in and I'm able to fill that gap, not necessarily as a parent, but just as a male figure, around these young athletes, around these students, around these families, that one has um, a relationship with Christ who believes that we're all called for a purpose, like you said, Mike, and that we can use this platform of sports. I'm literally using the sport as a carrot to introduce myself and how we live and how we talk and how we communicate and how we love on each other to do more than just teach them how to run fast or jump high that's or right. catch a ball. That's right. Like That's a byproduct. If they can do that, that's great. But if they turn out to be great people, they can communicate, they can hold a conversation that has nothing to do with sports, that they can love on their, their siblings even when it's tough to, they can forgive a friend for you know sharing a nasty text or whatever. <laughs> Those are the things that we're trying to push for yeah. to the athletes I have in my circle. And then what happens is that starts to spread out even further. So we're still at the beginning stages of it in terms of having our own facility where they can come and feel safe and hang out and parents can trust the kids to be there, that kind of thing. But the, the the extension of, of our relationship and our reach and our community is just, you know, it's out there right now. And so that's an everyday thing. That's just walking in and knowing and walking in that purpose. You know, I don't have to say a whole lot. There's, really there's a, then when we do have the, yeah, there's a beautiful reality that happens through sports or training when you're, you know, someone's trying to get faster and they're doing it alongside one another. There's a whole lot of life that can take place and be talked about. And I even think of the passage in the new Testament uh, where Paul said, we loved you so much that we shared with you not only the gospel of God, but our very selves or our very lives because you became so dear to us. And I found over and over again that when you're going to war with people in sports or you're training hard or you're just kind of circling life together, that the Lord gives these great opportunities to show something different and uh, by God's grace. My gift is speaking, and so I, I like to talk about it. I mean, I, so, I'm an evangelist by nature, so um, it's a combination that's been a wonderful thing. Uh, to see and you guys and hey guys i'm glad that you guys can meet each other because you're in the same industry kind of same same god and father overall and hopefully you guys can continue maybe a little dialogue on how you do things in the future professionally well mike uh, tell us tell us as we close up here where we can find you online uh tell us where if we want to find out about where mike demarco is training training strong people where, where would they go we uh i actually just switched our, our website over so it's a little bit more COVID friendly right now. So if you head over to motiveslife.com, um, I took down everything from in-house. So I tried to make it very interactive. And when you open up the page, it says, what's your purpose? And you could click if you're interested in general fitness, wrestling, sports performance, and then it'll pull you onto our YouTube page relative to those categories as well. Um, if you hop over to YouTube, I've been trying to upload 10 videos a week in all different types of uh, workouts and, and stretching routines. We even have 12 minute and 15 minute. You, you stream it to your TV. It has a timer on the bottom and you just follow my lead through a stretch. Awesome. Um, you can find, I don't even know how to get to my YouTube channel. To be honest, if you just I have it. Marco. I have the link. I'll put it in the show notes for you guys. All so, right, yeah. great. And then uh, on Instagram and Twitter, it's the same. It's, it's motives underscore Mike D. Yeah, and that's where that's where you can find us. Hey, can you tell me what it means that Kyle Dake's getting younger every day? Have you heard this? <laughs> because of his functional I'm, I'm, rhythms I'm still training to or something. It out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it has to do with his infrared sauna. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> People trying to mock infrared saunas, man, get them joints on Wayfair for like fifteen hundred. <laughs> Will can <laughs> Will Will can where can we find you? Hey, I'm um, uh, I train fast, and that's fast with two S's. I train I have uh, Instagram is I train fast and uh, Twitter the same thing. 
uh, what I'm doing in what COVID and at ill will 35. I'll put that yeah, out there. That's, that's what I was going to say. That's <laughs> say. At ill will 35. That's the, the, the personal the main one that I use. And I use, I trade fast as well. So ill will 35 and, uh, ill will pop. Um, those are, those are two, you know, as my nickname, uh, in, in college. <laughs> uh, but, but what COVID is, is really this sit down is like, you know what? Yes, you can do and be interacting with your athletes on Zoom, but at the same time, doing more like what Mike is doing in terms of putting videos out and, and content. And uh, regardless if three million people look at it or five people, you're having an impact on somebody's life. And that's one of the things that I really have to commit to getting better at. So this is definitely inspirational for me, Mike. And hey, you put stuff out, and it's like I have all these things. And if you, you know, reach out or I reach out to you, I can get that to you. But now just making that available, especially in a time like this with so many people, you know, need something. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. They need something, looking for something. And so that's a, a part of just sharing a little bit about our gift. And like you said, your talent to be able to share that with others is amazing. So I train fast, ill will 35. Like you said, put in the show notes. Hey, yeah, man, hey, man. Um, just love, you know, posting videos. You're going to see a lot of pictures and videos of my kids. Though, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> well, <laughs> hey, let, tell us about your 12-year-old, get the 30-second version. Because, like, look, man, oh. this dude. This dude's running away from people on foot. He's like slapping baseball balls over the fence. I mean, so the, the thing, the thing is, is that and this is he's kung fuing people too, isn't he? Yeah, yes. You know, stuff, stuff came easy and it come easy to him. And so again, striking a balance between this is natural and then this is work is um, with the phase that we're in now because again, he's developing every day. Yeah. But just gifted, gifted on the basketball court, yeah. gifted on the football field, gifted in baseball, like. Whatever he's he's also really, really, really good looking. He's been in JC Penny yeah, ads. Got, Come on Zoolander. now. Yeah, he got some Zoolander quality. Yeah. <laughs> it's not me. It's definitely my wife. Oh, right yeah. And well. I'll tell you what, he's, he's a good kid, and um, I love him, but I'm, I'm always pushing because right now he's on video games and on his yeah, phone yeah. and stuff. And so, you know, typical teenage stuff, yeah. you know, preteen. Yeah. So just, you know, staying encouraging, but still letting him know that there's a real world out there that you better be prepared for football or baseball or basketball will come back. And so this time is the one that's everybody's equal to. You can move ahead if you choose to by doing this. And so I, came I, told, accountable and I told my son the same thing the other day. I was like, hey, just imagine what those people trying to get that soccer scholarship are doing today. Ooh. And I'm watching what you're doing. So, hey, man, put yourself ahead. Guys, thank cool, you so man. much for uh, visiting with me today. It's obviously a privilege to reconnect with you both. We need to do it again soon. Be strong and courageous, my friends, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The Gospel Underground is a joint production of Power of Change and the Bonhoeffer House. Review us on iTunes. Hey, if you guys listen, review us on iTunes. Tyler Stowell recommended this podcast today, and he's on it indirectly. (laughs) Send your comments, feedback, questions that you might have to us to take up here on the Underground to info at gospelunderground.org. We are a dialogue taking place in the borderlands between the church and culture and out on them fields and in them gyms. Thanks, guys, for joining me today. Peace.